morning. Murder. Ever wonder what terrible thing happened on this day in true crime history? My name is Karina Bemisterfer, writer and host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast that dives into what murder took place on today's date in history. With over 500 episodes about serial killers, murderers, cults, and cold cases, there is always something new for you to enjoy. Morning Cup of Murder is the perfect addition to your morning routine. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, start your day with a Morning Cup of Murder. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen, and come say hi on social media at Morning Cup of Murder. Oh, and remember, stay safe. Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of Unethical Podcast. Yeah, fucked. Up. Today we're going to be discussing negligent 911 operator Donna Renault. Welcome to Unethical Podcast. At just 12, these two girls nearly took another classmate's life. Last May, they moved her to a fellow passenger on a breakout bus facing the walk in the streets of Winnipeg, unscrewed, and the decision is causing concern. So I'm gonna play you guys some. The 12 year old is completely out of control and I, I can't, I physically, if she's as big as I am, I can't control her. Okay, did you want us to come over to shoot her? Are you there? Excuse me? Uh, that's a joke. Okay, that's not funny, Mike. I'm sorry. Guess what? I'm gonna file a formal complaint. I'm sorry, I apologize. Well, Hold sorry on. doesn't Hold cut on it. I need second. a police officer. Hold on. What the <laughs> fuck? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot where I saw this. I saw this like not even a week ago. <laughs> so I came across this on social media, probably same place Richard wow. did. And my gut reaction was that Mike Forbes is a national treasure. <laughs> Perhaps you guys disagree. No. No, it's Mama. hilarious. Uh, sometimes you just get fed up, man, and you just say what's on your mind. You're like, fuck, I forgot I'm at work. I mean, that's funny to me because, like, I had an overbearing parent that would call the cops on me, like, just for leaving the house, <laughs> you know? So they would ask, like, what did she do? And, you know, the parent would ask or answer, she left without permission. They're like, how old is she? 17. They're like, no, <laughs> you need to stop calling. Like... <laughs> It'd be funnier if the they would have told your parents the same kind of thing. It'd be funnier, but you still can't do it. You know what I mean? It's still work. Like, <laughs> yeah. I do love it though. It's like stop, stop wasting time. I don't want to shoot my children, but sometimes I want to lock them away. <laughs> well, she's clearly an adult because the mom or whoever was on the phone was like, "She's as big as I am." Yeah, she's twelve. Oh, well, that's mean. i've worked in like several different jobs and the only constant in any job is dealing with idiots again maybe you guys don't agree calling the police because your 12 year old is acting up is a waste of police time yeah oh for sure absolutely if 
you should be able to handle your kids. You should be able to handle your kids. I'm sorry. Yeah. What's the what are the police going to do that's going to change anything? They're going to like what hit her with a baton, pepper sprayer, <laughs> drag her to jail. Like is the door she kicked a hole in going to press charges? And if you can get all bent out of shape with the 911 operator, why can't you discipline your fucking kid? Yep. So. All bark. All bark. That's all. Uh, the mom probably isn't scary to the 12 year old and they just laugh at her, but you got to do something to like get that respect back because uh, the cops aren't going to do it. Did you think the cops are going to come knock on the door, give your kids a stern talking to and let like the fucking bank robber get away because you're 12 year old, you can't handle a 12 year old? No. Right. Not going to work. Yeah. So this call happened in Texas and I believe it was 2005. So after the call ended, Mike went and reported the incident to his supervisor right after who probably laughed his ass off and then was like, but seriously, man, like, I got to write you up. And written up he was. Twice. He received a letter from the police chief saying that his behavior will not be tolerated again. And should he act unprofessionally while answering the 911 line, he will be terminated. So up till this point, Forbes was a good dispatcher. And he was commended twice for his work during his career. But... Karens make everyone around them worse. You could just lose it and start being sarcastic at everyone, too. I hope when the police chief called, they went, aye, aye, captain. 10-4, rubber ducky. <laughs> Something so sarcastic. It was a letter. He probably used it as toilet paper and moved on with his life. <laughs> so when the call was released to the public, people flocked to support Mike. Uh, Karen, however... What's her name? Lori, however, wanted more done than a simple reprimanding. I don't know exactly. She didn't specify. I don't know if she wanted him fired. Like if she wants to take food off this guy's table from his kid's mouths because her 12-year-old is 12 years old. Oh, one of the quotes that I read about this, uh, it gave me quite a good chuckle. It said, the dispatcher was clearly in the wrong here. It was Lori who should have been shot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so funny. So the issue is resolved now, and he continues to work as an effective 911 dispatcher and internet legend. However, fun's over, guys. Uh-oh. 911 dispatcher negligence continues to be reported and discovered most of the time it results in nothing more than hurt butts and reprimands. But in 2019, a severe instance of dispatcher negligence proved fatal for 47-year-old Debbie Stevens from Fort Smith, Arkansas. Debbie was a newspaper delivery person. She delivered newspapers in the early hours of the morning, and on Sundays, she taught Sunday school to youngsters. Debbie was married, but she had no children, and she did have a dog that she did everything with. Oh, for sure. I feel like there's a tragic turn Aww. coming. Yeah. <laughs> is the dog okay? The dog is okay. The dog was not okay, there. But... I mean, no, you know what? I take that back. The dog is absolutely not okay. The dog misses mom. Aww. Aww. <laughs> that's made it even more sad. Yeah. I love it. Poor little pooch. I'm sorry, but it's true. Never knew why mom never came home. Sorry, oh God. let's just make everyone cry real quick. Seymour from Futurama. Aww. Oh, feels. Okay, so according <laughs> to the police death investigation... <laughs> so according to the police death... 
According to the police... <laughs> still working through our feelings, guys. Hold on. Damn it! <laughs> I'm gonna fuck it up again. According to the police death investigation reports into Debbie's death, the only thing flooding faster than the streets of Fort Smith on Saturday, August 24th, 2019, were the call lines of the local 911 department. The calls began around 3 a.m. that morning, and Debbie was the 15th call of the day at 4.36 a.m. Her vehicle had been swept off the road by floodwaters approximately three minutes earlier, and it became stationary and stalled out. So at the time of the call, Debbie's vehicle was filling up with water quite quickly, but it did remain in place. The dispatcher who answered the call is named Donna Renault, And the call begins, cordially enough, but Debbie, understandably, was pretty close to hysterical already at this point. And Donna had no patience for it. So Debbie does pick up on her tone, and she quickly apologizes to Donna. You're not going to drown. Just calm down. Oh, man, it's all the way up in my chest. Okay, Please, just hold on, I'm staying. Hold on for me. Just I'm scared. I'm sorry. I'm... It's fine to be scared. You have a right to be scared. I'm scared. <laughs> okay, so that was, uh, as I mentioned, very close to the beginning of the call. So cordial-ish. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize so early in the call she was already up to her chest. So that's pretty. That's already pretty freaking high in the car, actually. She had already spent three minutes on the phone with her mother-in-law. Oh God. Okay. Donna tries to get a location from Debbie, and Debbie tells her that she cut through a parking lot to continue her paper route because her normal street was flooded, and that she turned into that parking lot at fifty-eight oh one Kincaid and was swept off the road by floodwaters as she exited the parking lot. So four minutes into the call, Donna says she will send someone out, but that no one is available. So here comes clip two. Okay, I'm going to send somebody out there to you, okay? What? The door is getting up to me. I'm scared. How long is it going to take? I don't have an officer available, so it's going to take a minute. So I'm going to try to get somebody out there to you. Just call them, okay? Yeah, so that's four minutes into the call already. Imagine being like that, uh, probably, and I'm not, maybe I'm making assumptions, but like, imagine you needed a job that much where you see a flash flood and you're like, my regular street's flooded. Instead of t- going like, I gotta go home right now and s- fucking get hot in high ground, you go, better go around, otherwise I'm not getting paid. Because that's the only motivation that you would have is like, I'm not gonna be able to make rent this month. Sorry, we're also we're also creatures of habit. So maybe in her mind, you know, she was just continuing to do what she normally would do. Maybe she, you know, maybe she didn't realize the severity that it was coming from all around her. Yeah. So there's a couple of things to keep in mind um, with that. One, everyone described um, Debbie as incredibly uh, hardworking with a great work ethic. She would work, you know, I mean, it's Arkansas. I don't know what the weather is like there, but, you know. Rain, sleet, or hail kind of thing. She was always at work. The other thing, too, was that the flooding started at about 3 o'clock in the morning, and she was on her paper route at about 4.30 in the morning. It was pitch black. 
And people people rely on their newspapers. That's probably a big thing they look for in a newspaper delivery person is like someone that will be there every day no matter how rainy and stuff it is too. So maybe that's just part of her character too. I didn't think of it that way. Her mother-in-law was also her supervisor. Uh, oh. Ooh. And her mother-in-law was at work too. Ooh, the in-laws, eh? Gotta watch out for them. <laughs> that makes a lot more... This is actually... You, I'm scared of my in-laws. Oof. I think they were actually like friends. Like I said, her when she first got stuck, she called her mother-in-law. So I think they're really close. Okay, maybe. Or maybe she called her to be like, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to deliver the papers. You still accept me as your son's wicked wife. Get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't care if you have to swim. Fucking get out and swim. (laughs) You'll get those fucking papers to the 7-Eleven if it's the last thing you fucking do. (laughs) Yeah, in-laws, though. My mother-in-law tried to kill me, so I'm on board. Uh, yeah. My in-laws are awesome. I love them both. I'm just joking. I like my in-laws. If you're listening, Joe and Denise, good to see you. Yvonne and Sylvie. But yeah, congratulations, guys. You have a really hot daughter. Shout out to Richard's in-laws. All right, let's go. Hell yeah. <laughs> Woo. The lady. <laughs> she is. All right, put the pencils down, Richard. It's time to shine. What am I shining? Sorry. Shaft shining? I don't know. Shaft shining. Stop waxing your. Johnson. I don't like that. It's like you get like your Filipino housekeeper with her lemon pledge, and that's the power of pine salt. Oh, no. Oh, ah, no. This show does not condone masturbating with pine salt. Don't do it. Yeah, well, you just started talking about my wife. So what else am I supposed to use? I don't got anything. Your else wife. In there. No. What did she douche with it? What the fuck, dude? No, it's the only lube I got. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could just call her in, I suppose. That's okay. Nah, we could all masturbate. <laughs> I hope this stays in the episode and I'm not going to tell her. And when she'll just walk out of like whatever she's doing, like working out or whatever, like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, and I'll just have, a, <laughs> I'll just have pine salts like, shh, shh, let's do it, baby. <laughs> Can't help I wasn't myself. sure if we were going to be able to banter in this one, but we're, why do I ever doubt? Okay. <laughs> no. uh, so, yeah, like I said, she tried to get a location out of her. She gave her her last known location. So, unknown to Debbie, she was actually carried by the water closer to 5,900 Kincaid. So, during the call, you can hear Debbie panicking about seemingly irrelevant things. Like that her SUV was going to be totaled and that she needed to be picked up by her mother-in-law so she could uh, deliver more newspapers and finish her route. See? See? Slave driver. That's all I'm saying. So I'll play another clip here. Ma'am, my phone's going to die and I'm not going to find me and it's going to ruin my brand new phone. Do you really care about your brand new phone? I mean, you're over there crying for your life. Who cares about your phone? I need to get down. I need to throw up. I need to throw up right now. Well, then you're in water. You can throw up. It's not going to matter. If you got throw up on yourself, they'll still help you. No, my car is fixing to catch on fire. How if it's underwater? It's turned on. I can't turn it off. Your car is not going to catch fire in water. Oh. It's making an awful funny noise and smoking. Yeah, so just panicking about just, like I said, seemingly irrelevant things. Gosh, she's such a bitch. (sighs) Yes. So, this may not seem important that I'm bringing it up, but it is. 
Her skewed priorities, as well as reflecting her terror, brought up a very interesting piece in this case. At one point during the call, Debbie says that she sees that there are people on the balconies in the apartments that she is um, currently behind that are watching her and laughing at her. So she's worried about people judging her, which again, very skewed kind of reaction in this situation. But she's just trying to bring herself out of it, right? She's just thinking about anything she can besides dying at this point. Oh yeah, your mind's gonna race when you're absolutely think you're gonna die. You know, you're probably gonna say weird things and not think absolutely coherently. Yeah, why Why did you... Maybe she cares about her cell phone because she's talking to the one person she's going to talk to probably until someone saves her right now, you yeah, dickhead. That that was a douchebag sentence from the 911 yeah. person. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so I'm going to play you another clip. <laughs> Those dudes were standing up in their balcony watching me sitting in this water. That's pretty rude. A lot of people have called in on you, so I don't think that nobody's just sitting there. They actually called in and they're not going to get their self in danger because you put yourself in danger. And another snarky comment for good measure. Oh my god. So as Donna stated, people were calling to report that she needed help. There was a call, for example, placed to 911 at 4.34 a.m. from a witness who saw Debbie's vehicle being carried away from the road. So the report was consistent with what Debbie was telling Donna earlier in the call. Her interior lights were on and the water was deep enough that a boat may be required. And... Even though there were many vehicles trapped in the water that day, this was the only one where the witness stated that the interior lights were on, which is what Debbie insisted was true, and also the only one where the witness said that no one had yet exited the vehicle. So the timeline also matches up completely. She called at 4.36, she would have gone off the road around 4.33, and the call came in at 4.34. So the problem with this is that, as I said, she was swept closer to 5,900 King Kate. So Donna didn't use any of those calls coming in about her to confirm her location at any point. Oh my god. To yeah. relay to rescuers. So when rescue did eventually arrive on the scene, they of course arrived to where Debbie was before she was carried further up the street and they couldn't locate her. Okay? So, at this point, Donna tells Debbie, rescue is there. But, of course, Debbie can see it's not. So Donna tells her to stop crying and listen for the sirens, which Debbie cannot hear because they're not there. So Debbie starts trying her hardest to communicate to Donna where she is. She's listing off landmarks. She's just going, going, trying to explain, trying to clarify. But Rescue is also talking to Donna at the same time, which... Who cares? You know Rescue isn't in the right place. Who cares what they have to say? Listen to her. But this is what happens. Right there. The she showed one at the end. The back sides of these apartments over here where these people are at, they can all She's see me. They're all standing out there watching Miss Debbie, you're going to have to shut up, okay? I need oh, you to I'm listen. Sorry. Listen to me. Yes, ma'am. And you hear her. She goes, yes, ma'am. Oh God! Yeah, that's not. Uh, that's not how you calm somebody down. And for the listeners out there, <laughs> remain calm. Whenever you're in a situation, just take a breath. And ra you know, just oh, panic. 
I grew up with a panicky parent and like I I can't be like that. Like I'm so cool, calm and collected. Uh, can I play devil's advocate on this for a couple seconds here? Just uh, thinking about what she's saying, okay, where are you? And she goes like, I'm behind this this building with people and like and then she, I'm freaking out here and she just like maybe the 911 operator was like understood at that point that there was a real major issue and went shut up now it's time to listen we're gonna save you somehow no (laughs) no (laughs) sorry no based on everything she says after no this didn't get serious for her at this point she just she just wanted her to be quiet yeah it sounds like it i just wanted to play devil's advocate for a second no it's a good question to bring up unfortunately i you know no yeah so, uh, do, 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 do. Okay. That's my hold music. So, rescue workers arrived on the scene officially, as in in an official capacity, at 4.50 a.m. That is 14 minutes after the call was placed. But they were not able to locate her vehicle for several minutes until a witness was on, on scene who could lead them to where the car was. Let's keep in mind here. So it's 14 minutes. The police arrive in the wrong place. This is like, I'll, I'll, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. That's like yeah. a fuck ton of time. That's, That's so much time. time. 14 yeah. minutes is so long. It's a city. It's not like they have to drive from like the nearest fucking rural area. It's a city. Anyway, I it's, it's a flood. I get it. But come on. A little eagerness here, people. Yeah. But she only logged the call at a priority of originally six, and then shortly after she changed it to four. Is it out of ten? I think, like, high priority is one. Oh, okay. So, as of 5 a.m., 24 minutes later, they still had not located her vehicle. Body cam footage of the scene showed several vehicles stranded in the water and also clearly showed that it was incredibly dark out. Not surprisingly, there was a ton of electrical shortages because of all the flooding. It's it's basically nighttime. Hence why Debbie couldn't see the flood water on the road that swept her car away. Yeah. Which Donna accused her several times of, well, how did you not see it? How did you not see it? So, at this point, Donna's frustration with Debbie reaches critical levels. And so, Debbie remains nearly quiet for a short spell and during this silent period you hear this in the background who fire are they really just having a oh chuckle gosh. with a co-worker hmm. no big deal fire what do you think she was watching i'm gonna go with uh game of thrones no, I think they were just, they were, like, fire, the fire department did something, they goofed up somehow. Or oh, whatever, I got She you. thought it was amusing. Either way, she's laughing with a coworker, having a, just a regular day at work. And not checking on Debbie. Yeah, That's she gross. should be trying to get a response. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, my goodness. Debbie begins to speak again at this point, and Donna raises her voice at her. Because she's listening to rescue. And when I say raises her voice, this is what I mean. Ma'am, please. Hold on for me. me. Hold on. Ladder. So. Oh, yeah. That was completely yelling. And you can hear, like, the whole. Inappropriately. Like, I talk to Gabe like that when he's pissing me off. When he's like, mom, 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 mom. I'm like, 
hang on a minute, Gabe. Yeah, she's yeah, she's treating her like a child. It's just crazy to me. That's gross. Really gross. It is. So, I will reiterate again. She didn't listen to one damn word Debbie said when she was trying to clarify where she was. Donna knows at this point rescue is nearby and she's not trying to get another detail out of Debbie to help them find her. I have no idea why. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, why is she so fucking adamant to just... Oh, I don't... I'm so... I just... I can't even get my words out. I'm just in shock. Does she know that she moved? I mean, does does Debbie have recollection that she's somewhere else? In the call, she explains that she was pushed by the floodwaters, but to her, because the floodwaters are moving very, very, very fast, to her, it feels like she didn't go very far. But she was carried to the end of the street. Okay. And like I said, it's pitch black. She can't see yeah. how far she's gone. And she was just at apartment buildings, and now she's sitting at apartment buildings. So it's perfectly understandable that she wouldn't know that she was that far away. Uh, and so here is where things just hit the fan. 4.58 a.m. Debbie says her car has started moving. And within seconds, she is hysterical. Let me pin your location, so don't don't hang up on me. Okay, where are you moving to? Tell me where it's going. Okay, tell me where you are. Listen to me. Hold on. I'm on the phone with her right now. She is legit freaking out. She said the vehicle is now moving in the water and she doesn't know which way it's going. So stand by. Yeah. Where are you going? Where are you I going don't know. To? <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, of course you don't know. Oh. She's, and you could tell the operator at that time is like, uh-oh, I've, I fucked up. <laughs> like you, you've, but you not even it. all the way. She's like, she is legit freaking out. She's still not taking it seriously. Yeah. Very passive. Uh, so according to the transcript, um, which again, from the this is from the official investigation, her exact words in that final clip were, my car is starting to move, I can't breathe repeatedly, and near the end there, it's taking me down. So I'm not going to play it here, because the goosebumps reach maximum capacity at that point, and I can't yeah. stomach anymore. <laughs> Within seconds, water can clearly be heard rushing over the phone. And Debbie stops responding, but you can you can hear her continue to struggle. Donna tries to get her to answer, and Donna tells the officers Debbie is under the water now, and that they are just now getting the fire rescue boat ready. The call disconnects at 5 a.m., 27 minutes after Debbie went into the water. And they started taking her seriously the moment it was too late. Yeah. Can I, uh... Okay, I know no no one's gonna like this. Uh, I'm doing it. Uh, This is called The Unethical Podcast. Maybe we should play the creepy-ass clip. (laughs) You can listen to it on your own time. We're not gonna play it here. (laughs) 
I just wanted to see if I wanted to see if you'd be like, yeah, I guess we're doing it. No, <laughs> just... I don't have it. We're not doing it. I'm not listening to a woman die. Okay. Or I'm I'm not making somebody else listen to a woman die. No, it's it's fucking. That bad. is their call. Okay, now, uh, sorry, I don't know where you're going with this, but I have a, uh, like take take this from the lens of like she gets like saved okay when you start the call you're like oh she's gonna get saved for sure it's kind of funny <laughs> the call's kind of funny i'm sorry i said it it just is it doesn't sound it sounds like someone freaking out for yeah. no reason no when i i agree i agree i agree when i first heard it i was like oh my god this is hilarious because i just thought oh they're gonna save yeah. her she'll be fine and then i was like yeah and the first time i heard this episode or this, pardon me, this story was on the 911 Calls podcast with the operator. And on that podcast, it's a great podcast, check it out. He does another episode where a woman is calling in because of her pet monkey, all, you know, just acting right, going bananas, if you will. <laughs> and you're like, haha, this is funny. This is amusing to me. He, They let him microwave burritos until you find out that uh, that monkey actually like ripped off her hand. And, like, chewed up half her face. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's not very funny anymore. Yeah. But I don't think we can feel guilty about, you know, if it had ended differently, yes, it would have been amusing. Oh, there would have been, like, news coverage with the victim doing the same freakouts and everyone would have watched. Like, it probably would have went under the rug, actually, if she would have been saved. You probably would have never heard of it, really. No. Why would you? Yeah, exactly. Tons of people were trapped in the water that day. Yeah. Unfortunately... Rescue was not able to reach Debbie's vehicle until the fire department boat arrived at 5.15 a.m., so 15 minutes after the call ends. But because, as she said, it it's taken her down, it had gone fully under the water, the SUV wasn't found until 5.56 a.m., nearly 45 minutes after the boat arrived, and they recovered her lifeless body from the SUV at 5. 58 a.m., nearly one hour after her car was carried under the water and nearly an hour and a half after she called 911. CPR was attempted, but was obviously completely futile. So I imagine uh, Donna was still in communication with the rescuers, eh? Um, I mean, I don't know in that generally, no. As soon as the call disconnects, it's the 911 operator or the 911 dispatcher is kind of just off the case. Rescue's there. It's, you know. They oh, I bet it. she called back and was like, did you find her? And they're like, yeah, dead, dumbass. I fucking hope so, at least. Yeah, did she have more calls? Or was that her last call of the day? Did it just go to the next caller? I've worked in call centers. It'll just yeah, prompt you to the next I, person. Yeah, you would assume, basically. Um, yeah. I know in hers... Probably yes, literally. She just picked up the next call. That was her job. Yeah, I wonder if they looked at the ones after and see if she was still like the same attitude, or if, if it was like that person annoying her and she just brushed no, her I off. No, I bet that that smartened her the fuck up. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. She probably went and got her first cup of coffee afterwards. <laughs> I just got the craziest call. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, Susie, you'll never guess what happened. Yeah. She couldn't her. even be <laughs> she couldn't even be saved properly. Like, ugh. You do everything for these people and they still die. God. <laughs> <laughs> Ungrateful. <laughs> How dare they? The audacity. Exactly. 
So did, did Donna keep her job then, or...? Um, before we move on to the consequences for Donna, I want to note just a few things. So, uh, I don't know why Debbie couldn't escape the vehicle. She said she tried to get out and that she couldn't, but the windows were not broken. And I believe at one point, it's not always intelligible. She says that the power windows are out. So I also don't know if she'd already taken off her seatbelt or if it was stuck. Uh, Donna did not at any point offer her any instruction about how to get out on her own and um a little while into the call debbie did say that she couldn't swim but you know sometimes trying your best is better than being a sitting duck yeah it's literally sink or swim oops (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so um listeners um, you know how that you can adjust your headset, uh, head mm-hmm. thing behind you there on your car seat. So you can take that thing completely out and then it's two solid pieces of probably steel yeah. and you smash your window with that. So if you're in a, in a situation, use that tool. Yeah. It's actually meant to do that. Oh, well. It is. Yeah, for sure. Apparently it's not common knowledge. Um, Debbie also mentions at one point during the call that she's sick. Um, So I don't know if that meant that she had mobility problems that were preventing her from getting out or if it was just that she was nauseous because she said she was going to barf, right? Um, A cousin of hers did say that she had childhood health issues, but all she said about that was that it caused her to have the maturity level of a teenager, so, again, I mean, you can speculate how that would have influenced her in this situation. I think her work ethic tells a different story, but... Yeah, for sure. Again, unless it's a slave driver situation. <laughs> <laughs> you want to bone my son? You got to work for me. <laughs> Last thing. Donna had put in her two weeks notice the week before the incident. So I've read reports that said she had four days left, but most of the reports say that this was actually her last day. Oh my God. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So we know for sure. No fear of being fired. Whether or not that contributed to her behavior. I don't know, but you bet your ass. I slack right off after I put in two weeks notice. Yeah. Two weeks notice is just to, to like save face and try and like pass it on to the next person. It's not for effort. You know? Two weeks and- notice is just so that I get my severance, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So knowing that we'll move on to the aftermath here. We're going into Donna from this point forward. Any more questions about the call or anything before we go? No, I'm pretty. Uh, yeah. Unless cool. you're going to play the clip. I'm not. <laughs> you can take your pine saw and your weird smut clips into the closet on your own time. <laughs> so the reason that I focused on this case particularly is because Donna was found to have not committed any wrongdoing in her performance of duty. So not only was she cleared of criminal charges, she was not even found to have done anything wrong in her job. Oh, Jesus. So even lack thereof? 
Okay, so the department acknowledges that she was rude, and they discourage rudeness. And her rude behavior was found to be grounds for a write-up, but not termination. And the department stated that the call sounded calloused and uncaring at times, but the department was overwhelmed with calls, and the situation was chaotic at best. No excuse. Yeah. Because Donna didn't do anything to de-escalate the situation. Mm-hmm. Not a damn thing. So it's a lack of the effort. It's definitely a yeah. lack of trying that this yeah. woman is no longer alive. Yeah. When you when you quit a job like that, there should be like, a, okay, in your last two weeks, if you want your severance, you must try. And if you don't try, there will be criminal charges or something. Because that's rough. They, I don't even know, man. I mean, the only thing that I think could even work is if it's, like, two weeks notice, like, you work from home writing reports or something. Like, you still gotta show up and do your job, but as soon as you, like, put in your notice, you know, you're at home. You're doing, like, busy work that the other 911 operators would have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or, like, like, sitting there. Filing. Listening in, even. You know how, like, sometimes they'll have, like, somebody who just sits there and listens into the call, but doesn't actually offer anything until they need it? That, even. Just sit at home and just listen into other calls. Make sure they're doing their job right. Make that a position if you have to. I don't know. I don't think anyone should be trained by Donna. No. Uh Uh-uh. She can take a back seat. (laughs) And I feel like... Like, uh, call centers have better policies than that. You know what I mean? Like, I worked at call centers, and if you don't give a fuck like that, you're fired. Like, just for, like, selling cell phones. That's what I was doing, selling cell phone plans. If you gave the same responses to, like, uh, Joe Schmo trying to buy a Nextel cell phone in 2002, I would have been fired for sure. I'm thinking about talking to a patient the way she's talking <laughs> to this woman. Like, if one and of my patients... And you want to! You must want to sometimes. Absolutely. Sometimes I do, especially when you've got people that are like constantly like, oh, oh, it hurts, it hurts. And sometimes I'm just like, I fucking know it hurts. I'm trying to fucking help you. Shut the fuck up. But I'm like, I know, I understand. And then, yeah, you have to just leave the room and go, oh, God. Yeah, or it's like, yes, I understand, and this is what I'm going to do now to assist you. It's very simple, guys. Talk to people. Nurses get a ton of abuse. Or, like, they'll come in the room and they'll be like, uh, could you, like, go get that thing that's, like, four inches away from me? Yeah. It's like, I'm not your fucking slave! You can reach it. I'm here to provide medical care, but I got other people to deal with, dude. I have actually said to someone before, I'm, uh, this isn't a hotel. Like, you're in hospital. This is a hospital. You're not in a hotel, and I'm I'm not wearing a maid's uniform. This is a nurse's uniform. So, <laughs> when I worked at the call center, there was standard replies to how you should respond to certain things, and if you do not use those, you will be fired. And there should be ways of uh, standard. I'm, I know you can't go verbatim on things, but like if they're freaking out over this, suggest they do this or some sort of training. Anyway, I don't know, man. I, I just so, so what if I, I said to you, Richard? What if I was like. Fuck you, dick. I don't want to buy your goddamn stupid cell phone plan. I'm sorry you feel that way, but I can get you a very good deal on a uh, brand new iPhone 11 if you just give me five minutes of your time. How about you suck my dick? <laughs> I Honestly, if I were in your country, I would even consider it if you gave me a couple minutes of your consideration for your time to uh, get you onto a new cell phone plan. 
send me a picture of your wiener and I'll think about it. The picture of the wiener will be attached to the uh, signature portion of your new cell phone deal. So as soon as you press send on that uh, signature, you will get as many of the pictures you need. Thank you very much. You too. Now sign more. Okay, so the... My chair is making fart noises. The police chief Oh, sorry, that was me. (laughs) 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 Nice. So the police chief released a statement saying that all of the criticisms about Donna's job performance were on point with the training that she received. So the training that she received was don't guarantee that someone is coming to help you unless you know that someone is coming to help them and do not offer instruction or life-saving advice because of liability issues unless you're trained in rescue or medical care. Oh, I, I have a different question. We're not liable. Nothing Tally said earlier uh, means anything. If you're drowning, if you use the back and it doesn't work, it's not our fault. God damn it, Tally. You put us up for lawsuits here, bud. Sorry. We don't have... I mean, we totally have lots of insurance. Um, <laughs> no, question number one. Why aren't all the dispatchers trained in this area? Why? What good yeah. are they? I don't get that. Like, why shouldn't they have that type of training? Isn't that the point? It's, yeah. it's this particular situation. I don't know what the situation in Arkansas is. I don't know if flooding is, like, a common thing there. But even fucking regardless, proper vehicle in flood water and vehicle in water protocol is four fucking steps. Seatbelt off. Release the children. Make sure that you open a door, break a window, and get the fuck out of the car. Mm-hmm. Four fucking steps, dude. Four. And they're actually thinking about adding step five, which is don't get on your fucking cell phone, stupid. Seconds count. I, uh, I'm going to get an asterisk in there. Don't None of the advice given on Unethical Podcast is real advice. And if you do use it at home and it does not work for you and you die, it's not our fault. Second asterisk. Um, they don't want to give training, and I'll tell you exactly why. And I could be wrong, but they don't want to give that kind of training because that probably prompts people to want to be paid more for actually saving someone's life. Well, the thing is, is dispatch is also communicating with the police and the fire and the ambulance. And so like, they're trying to get information from the victim or who's ever in trouble to relay the message so that these guys that are going to be on scene have an idea of what they're coming on scene to. So it's not really medical training. I mean, it's just getting that information and figuring out what to do in a really rapid situation. Yeah. Yeah, well that's another thing too. She at no point did she even ask, "Hey, did you actually try to get out of the car?" Yeah, there's right. there's that too for sure. I didn't even think of that. You did, there's no point where she's like, "Open the door. Is the door open?" Like you could say that. That's not medical advice. Well, after the incident, the department became overwhelmed once again with calls flooding in, but the calls this time were death threats and harassment toward Donna and the entire department. The community was furious. Wow. Torch and pitchforks coming out. Man, people are so, like, there's ways of doing this stuff, but what are you going to call it? Did they call 911 a bunch and go like, I'm going to kill Donna, and then meanwhile someone's getting robbed four doors over, can't get through, it's all busy because someone wants to threaten Donna? 
Some of them, yeah. Some of them called the department, like, non-emergency line. But some, yeah, did just straight up call 911, which, you know, I don't like. Uh, I think you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't support you exactly. But I also know that, you know, if they're not going to save them either way, what's the harm? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, anyway. for sure. If that's the mentality <laughs> you have, it's like, this doesn't do anything anyway, so I might as well yell at someone through it. Devil's advocate. I don't actually believe that, but, I mean, they could definitely justify for that. For sure. Being, if you put yourself in the brain of a... Of the mob mentality, that's a for sure way you could think, right? I, I agree with that. It's just, you yeah. got to think ahead a little bit, man. Someone could be actually getting hurt. 911 operators and shit like that help probably more than they do harm, right? You got to remember that. That was one person out of like however many that day, you know? Just that day, never mind always. I don't know. If they got Donna, they're screwed. Yeah, that's true. Well, no one does anymore. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. We're going to move on to Donna. So... Donna was awarded Dispatcher of the Year in February prior to this incident. <laughs> and she was also commended three separate times in 2014, but only 2014. Uh, once for her care after an accident. Once for recognizing subtle clues that a kidnapping victim and the kidnapper were in a local clerk's store. And once for talking down a belligerent suicidal man that was on the line. So, uh, you know what? Again, I'm going to bring this up just like we did in Tess Ritchie. How can a person talk to a man who wants to die and is calling her a bitch and a cunt and offer him compassion and empathy to the point where he trusts her and then be so cold and uncaring towards a woman who's stuck in a flood because she was trying to do her job? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe the person that was going to commit suicide just needed some bitchy, bitchy attitude. Like, oh, just put down the gun, shut up. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry. And then she got accommodated for it. <laughs> no, that's, yeah. I mean, maybe she offered him anal. <laughs> oh. Wow, was anyone expecting that to come out of my mouth? No, it wasn't at all. You got me. Do you think that would have worked for Ronnie McNutt? <laughs> <laughs> if his girlfriend just would have picked up and offered him anal, yeah, I guarantee it would have worked. Yeah. I guarantee it would have Literally worked. Literally anyone commenting <laughs> offered him anal. Even his mom, because she was watching too. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't know that. My bad. <laughs> Not your bad. Ronnie McNutt case can fucking burn in hell. Yeah, that guy's an Piece asshole. Oh, he's such okay. an asshole. His dog even didn't give a shit. His dog comes toddling in the room and just and like fucks off. <laughs> dog didn't even. How shitty of a person do you have to be? Your dog doesn't even care. Yeah. What was that? Oh, it was you. Okay, bye. <laughs> Good. Uh, did you guys watch that? Oh video? yeah. The police come running in at the end of the one guy's like, "Go, day." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. It's so sad. It is so sad that he didn't fall off the chair. The thing I was so mad about was that it got on TikTok the day after, and I think my kids saw Like, I don't think my kids saw it, but my kids potentially could have saw it, because TikTok is very... Oh, I saw a beheading when I was 12. They're fine. Yeah, they're 7 and 10, so cool. They're not yeah, even they're there fine. yet. Okay, cool. Yeah, when I was about that age, I saw, like, a, um, uh, Al-Qaeda video of, like... Um, like seven dudes all tied together with a string of dynamite and they fucking blew their heads off with it. Whoa. Oh, Kato was fucked. Remember when they had a verified Twitter account? Anyways. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Good times. Um, 
Okay, so during her exit interview, Donna said that she was quitting. So again, this this the exit interview happened after the incident because it was her last day or whatever. But her reasons for quitting were from before this, right? Okay, so she said she was quitting because promises were broken. Whatever that means. Maybe she was sleeping with her boss and he wouldn't leave his wife. <laughs> and um, that the disp- the dispatchers at that department weren't per- bleh, weren't permitted a distress break after high stress calls. So that's standard here, um, where if you get a high stress call, you get to go like you know debrief, like chill out, like mm-hmm. smoke a doob or whatever. Um, she also said that her favorite part of the job was helping people in a time of emergency. Obviously. False. <laughs> oh, God. It shows. Yeah. It shows. Um, she also praised her boss for calling to check on her after the incident, none of which makes me like her anymore. Why does she need to be checked on? What happened to her? She killed someone. <laughs> yeah, that's what she do? true. But you don't get consoled for doing that. <laughs> Apparently you do. Although, you know, it's... Her boss probably hadn't heard the call by this point. Yeah. She probably was just like, oh, I had a hard call. Well, yeah, if you're in a car accident and accidentally kill someone, it's your fault. You still feel bad. Like, uh, it's, it's not like she meant to. Like, I, I, I'm nice. The boss is nice for saying something. She's obviously, she obviously had regrets after. That call was not her best moment, but I'm sure she, she sounds like a nice enough person before and a nice enough, I don't know about after, but like, I'm sure she had some sort of like fuck man i shouldn't have dealt with it that way i'm sure there was regret there couldn't have not been yeah i do not think she's a nice lady not at all tiny bush minuscule teeny teeny tiny little little microscopic little bush (laughs) but didn't she like save a bunch of people and stuff before like wouldn't that kind of like give her some sort of uh clout at all she no and see here's why i think that is because she like why do I keep, like, getting stuck on my words? I got the COVID vaccine today. Do you think I'm, like, getting a stroke? Yeah, maybe. Do you smell burnt toast? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, so, um, yeah, so she rose quite quickly through the ranks. And so I think she was performing because she was getting praise. And it was, like, um, like a symbiotic relationship, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck, like, cyclical, right? Um, but then when she got to the point where she was quitting, no one was, no one was sucking up her ass. Getting the praise. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. No one was climbing up her butt and she didn't like that. And so that's probably why she stopped trying because she's like, well, if I'm not going to get praised constantly, why, why should I actually try? But where, what job or what place do you get praise all the time? Like, what did she quit the job so she could work at at a trophy shop and like build herself a trophy every day? Like, I win. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but i don't know i don't know what she planned well, to do after this or if she planned to do anything let's Who knows, hope not right i mean maybe no one needs to be taught nothing by her yeah maybe she just like her boss wouldn't leave his wife and so she decided to go and um go on a singles cruise and never return i have no idea <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> go and sleep with someone else's husband i don't know i've seen her she was lucky to get one <laughs> I am not attractive enough to be as mean as I am. I'm aware of it. Um, You're perfectly fine. 
You can be as mean as you want. You're perfectly fine. You're perfectly adequate. <laughs> I am adequate. I am a solid C. You're you're a solid four. <laughs> <laughs> but she's funny. Exactly, which makes me a six, like a good six. Yeah. <laughs> See, I just have the looks. I'm not cool. I'm not funny. Well, I'm just pretty, but I'm not nice. Hey, you're vaccinated. That's worth a lot these days. You don't need a glory hole. (laughs) (laughs) That's a joke for me and Celeste. Our government told us to use glory holes when coronavirus started coming out. So you could keep, like, your your face away from the person you're fucking. So, like, get a piece of cardboard. Put it between you if you want. Like, legit. They were telling us to use glory holes. So that was a joke for me and Celeste. Our health minister said that. Yes. If you're going to have sex, use a glory hole. That's fucking brilliant. That is such an Australian thing to say. That is such an Aussie Ugh. thing to say. You can put put your dick in it, but don't don't put any. Yeah, because there's no mucous membranes anywhere around anything you're doing there. Oh, oh God. that's hilarious! I love. You're that welcome book. for saying the term. Mucus. I don't know. Our health minister looks like she doesn't know what sex is. I think she's robotic, to be honest. She's never had. And sex. it's a she. Teresa, I'm like. Yeah. I'm like, that had to be a man, but you guys are telling me it was a woman, so. It's a virgin. She's a little petite Asian lady who looks like she just, like, I would have had sex, but I was too busy studying, you know? She's, like, exactly the kind of, like, platonic wife beard that Mark Zuckerberg wears. (laughs) That's an awesome joke, too. Good for you, Celeste. (laughs) All right. So, so we can get out of this shit. I'm going to play a few more clips. Um, just because these are quoted often in media in the arguments against her. Here we go. How long is it going to be, please? Listen to me. Listen to me. I need you to calm down and hold on. I'm scared, man. I understand that you're scared, but there's nothing I can do sitting in a chair, so you're going to have to hold on, and I'm going to send you somebody, okay? Nobody's sitting with me. (laughs) Am I not on the phone with you trying to get you some help? Yeah, it's okay. I know the water level is I'm high. Scared. I understand that, but you freaking out doing nothing but losing your oxygen up in there. So just calm down. But are they not gonna come get me? You I'm sorry if I'm rude, but I'm scared. You're not rude. I know you're scared. Just calm down for me. I'm scared. I've never had anything like this happen to me before. Well this I'm will te- this will teach you next time don't drive in the water. Couldn't see it, ma'am. I'm sorry or I wouldn't have. I don't see how you didn't see it. You had to go right over it, so Oh Jesus. Next time, she says. Next time. Yeah, next time. I don't see yeah, how we've... you couldn't see it. You had to drive over the water to get where you were. Like, oh my god. Oh, she's what a fucking piece of trash. Yes, she is. Oh, All right. So, a couple more things. Once the internal review was complete, several shortcomings and protocols in the police dispatch center were highlighted, and it was determined that Donna would not face any legal action for her behavior. Chief. Police Chief Mitchell says they will be taking steps to fill in these shortcomings and that the priority should be making it a less stressful place to work, stating that dispatcher turnover is extremely high. No fucking kidding. It's a hard job and you make them pay for school first. 
lots of people could do the job, but they can't afford the schooling. Maybe address that. It's, it's for sure part of it. All right, very last thing. Finish up here. There is currently a petition on change.org if you want to go sign it to have Donna in prison for her behavior during the call. It has nearly 50,000 signatures with more coming in every wow. day. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to tell people they're not going to die either. Because uh, I just Yeah, you're I just not. Spent, no. Just, you're not yeah. supposed to make promises. I just spent a little stint in the hospital recently and I was like, I think I'm going to die. And they're like, well, your blood pressure's dropping. Yeah, we're not allowed to. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it, you guys. Are you outraged? Yes. Uh, yes, but concerned at the same time. It's just one of those things like, fuck, I, ho- I understand to a point why they wouldn't want to put her in jail uh, for this. Because then it just opens up every other operator that when someone dies on the line, they go to jail for it. Because have you ever, okay, let me ask you this. Have you ever been gone to someone and talked to them for a little while? And they go like, oh, you don't have to be a dickhead. And you're like, I wasn't being a dick. I was just talking to you. And then they're like, yeah, you were being an asshole. And you're like, no, I'm just literally, this is the way I talk. You know what I mean? So maybe that's the way she looks at this. I agree with you, Richard. I don't think there really is any grounds to put her in jail. Yeah negligence is against the law and i mean she was i think the only the only body that can be found guilty is her department um even if i don't know i mean even if if she was like on trial right now or in prison right now uh i still probably i still probably would say i don't think she should have gone to prison yeah like i don't think she should ever ever be allowed to be an emergency contact she shouldn't even be on our kids permission literally like literally if somebody tries to like list her like on their fucking like flu shot form at the pharmacy should just be like no yeah no she's not good for that there should be definitely a systemic change that's what i was gonna say Uh, if they don't get trauma breaks and stuff like that and that's all cheapness too man that has something to do with like we need people learning calls like fucking hire five more people let them have breaks when there's traumatic shit that happens that's you can get trauma from a lot of stuff i already talked about this my mom falling down the stairs you know what i mean that could be traumatic to me where i have ptsd uh taking a phone call like that i imagine would be if why did you bring that up again did this actually happen (laughs) it's the thing i talked i've already talked about this before and i remembered we're trying to um Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, Just on the ward at work, we're trying to get more help because the nurses are just so stressed all the time and we're stretched so thin and it wears on you and you get to the point where you don't want to go to work because you're so stressed and you, you can't give anything of yourself to your patients and to... You know, so, like, you need it. Working in an industry like that, you have to have that time and you have to have the backup, the extra people. Tough job. I don't, mm -mm, I couldn't do it. Yeah. What would you have done? If I were Donna? If you took the call. If you took the call and it was just this hysterical woman um, in a flood, Um, what do you think you would have done? I would have asked where you are or do you know where you are um and asked if uh, how high the water was um if it were 
above the window, I would instruct to break it, to escape. Um, if she were, if she just couldn't calm down, I would say, ma'am, listen, I'm going to help you. Let's take a, take a moment. Just, just take a deep breath in. <laughs> That's my thing. It's just take a deep breath and, and just try to coax her to do as I instructing and, and, um, attempts to get her out of the vehicle mm-hmm. would be my attempt. Yeah. And also I would probably just try and talk to her about other things, like trying to distract her mind from what, you know, the scary place that she's in, like ask her things about herself. Like just that's sometimes that's what I do with patients. Like if they're getting stressed out and, or if I've got to do something, you know, got to do something that's not going to be pleasant, you know, I'll I'll talk to them about their kids or um, what they, what they do as a job, what they, you know, have they traveled, that sort of thing. Like while during the time while she's, yes, we're, we're getting help to you. They're on their way. It is going to take a little while because of the flooding everyone you know people are there's lots of calls happening but i'm here with you i'm not going anywhere i'm staying with you and we are doing our best to get help to you and then i would just try just keep her talking and try and distract her i did forget to mention i would be sending help to her (laughs) yeah probably a little sooner than four minutes in oh yeah yeah it would be the first thing and I, i wouldn't put it as a category four it would be a one I don't know, man. I'm not good under pressure. I would have been bad, probably. <laughs> I probably just if I'm to be honest, I'd probably be like, "Oh my god, she's dying!" Or I would have probably honestly, the first time I heard this, I laughed. I probably would have been taking it as a joke, which is my nature. If I'm going to be honest with you, I probably been like, "Whoa, whoa, relax, la." I would have been very. I I don't know if I would have been as bad as her. Like I I don't try to be a dickhead. It just comes out <laughs> of me. So I would have been trying to be nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean, at the same time, I probably would have flubbed it, not in the same way, but in a similar way. Honestly, I, until it was too late, I'd probably be like, holy fuck, she's dying. Right? But there's a point where you're like, okay, relax. And the way the operator makes it sound, too, is it makes it sound like it's not that big of a deal. So you kind of play it down. Okay, so knowing what I know and having had a little bit longer to think about it than you guys, the first thing that I would do is, like Tally said, ask, do you know where you are? And then... Uh, I would explain to her like early in the call, not first to keep her grounded. I would just explain to her like first things first, you don't have to do anything now, but if the car starts to go or the water gets up to your chin, you get out. I don't care if you can't swim, you have a lot better luck out than you do in once it starts to go. And I think that that's what I would have done just because that's what I know about vehicle survival. We have one fucking river in my city. There's only one place my car could end up. It will never happen, but I still know what to do. You know, once you let it get to that middle range, if you don't have a way out, you're not getting one until the car is full. Full. You can't hold your breath that long, sweetheart. You're done. For right now, just chill. Take in your surroundings. Tell me what you see. You know... Oh, good. You see people? Perfect. Let me check the calls. Let me see if somebody can tell me exactly where you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen in that situation. Maybe if I'd been doing it a long time, I would think that she was just being dramatic, too. But it's a flood. 
It's not like people dying in floods is new. Yeah. Uh, 911 operators probably 99% of the time are doing a great thing. And, and the little things that do happen, we just got to build on their job because it's a fucking hard job. I couldn't deal with it. I, I know I couldn't. I know I couldn't do it. I know it. One of the things that is interesting um, about this is that she couldn't swim and the water was moving quite quickly and she was stuck in a thing. And all the delays in rescue, aside from the fact that she didn't nail down her location and made no effort to. Um, I mean, rescue, in theory, would have been there on time, but they would have needed the boat and they wouldn't have had it. So she probably would have died anyway. But because she made no effort to at least help her, it is her fault that she died. Even if it's not her fault she died, it's her fault forever that she died. Yeah, fucked up. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Head on over to our Facebook and Instagram to join in on the conversations about all things unethical. Just search Unethical Podcast. You can also find us on Patreon, where you can get access to all of our super awesome content, uncut videos of our discussions, and early release of all the episodes. We are adding fun stuff all the time, so you should definitely come and check it out. Thanks again. We appreciate all of you. Shimmy, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Baby, I got your money. Hey. Dirty.